If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting Glass Tire. All of the money we raise, since we are a nonprofit, goes right back into our coverage of Texas's art and artists. Our coverage is supported thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you would like to contribute, you can do so at glasstire.com forward slash donate. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome to Art Dirt. This is the Glass Tire podcast where we talk about topical art topics. I'm William Saradet. And I am Natalia Padilla. And today we are going to discuss Natalia's artistic practice, which operates at the intersection of a couple things that I think a lot of listeners will be interested in. Um, We're having this discussion ahead of her upcoming yellow interactive installation at Arts Mission Oak Cliff. Natalia is a Dallas-based designer, artist, educator, and social practice artist, basically. A lot of the work that she does involves public outreach, public education, and a lot of it is funded through grants. The City of Dallas Office of Arts and Culture. So we have a lot of ground to cover, and I think maybe I'll just start by mentioning that, Natalia, you and I went to El Salvador together, where um, your family, some of your family lives. It's where you are from. You have spent, you grew up in El Salvador, and then you came to the United States and got uh, your arts education, your design degree. We went to El Salvador to visit your family as well as to see museums and artists and do a little tour of just El Salvador in Central America. I think when I met you years ago, we were both sort of transitioning from working in Mm. advertising Mm. to working more full-time in art. And I guess I'm wondering kind of what inspired that transition for you because you pretty much, you only do your personal art practice now. You're not, yes, right? If I'm not vibing with it, I don't go for it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I graduated from an incredible program at UNT, which is the Visual Communication Design Program at the University of North Texas in 2012. And then I started professionally practicing as a junior designer at a small ad agency called Redonk Marketing. the carpenters were so kind in, you know, and like giving it a shot and giving me my first professional job in the industry. They redunk it still in Plano. And then the next two jobs, they found me online. I wasn't even looking. Um, I worked at Trivi, which is, it was a startup company like 10 years ago. They're still out there. They gamify, they do gamifiable experiences for training other organizations. So you log into the app and you answer stuff to remember what to do at your job. So I learned UX and UI design working at Trivi and I designed apps and that gave me more knowledge in in terms of that platform. Then, um, Entager came across my portfolio because I would always, even though I had my jobs, 
I always made sure to do other things that were really exciting and I was really passionate about that I wasn't necessarily getting paid for, but I just love design so much that I wanted to keep practicing. So I would always have like little projects here and there that I would work on nights and weekends besides having my full-time job. And David Motter, it's one of the creative directors at Integer and the clients that he was overseeing at this ad agency were AT&T. So he came across my work, contacted me, contacted me, and he's like, would you be interested in doing advertising? And that's when I was offered a senior art direction position at Integer. And I did that for like four years. Um, the final client account that I work on was FedEx. So I was part of a, a big team. I helped with all the conceptual aspect of these retail marketing campaigns that take over the entire nation and these are accounts that you start really putting a lot of effort into their holiday campaign which is what makes retail their most money um and you know i would work on these campaigns for a full year on one concept and trying to bring it to life in order to make sure that you know these companies would make a lot of money and um i just it, it was just something that it, it, I just didn't feel fulfilled. And I realized how much effort and money and resources go into creating these massive campaigns to keep people engaged and brainwash people to keep consuming more. And I just feel like there are other needs in our society, in our world that that need more resources and that need more care and they need to have higher quality arts so education and learning has been something that i've always been interested in doing and that's when i started illustrating a bizou because illustration it's has always been a huge passion of mine but i've never been professionally hired to do that I mean, through, through corporate, because I do have my own clients. And I just, you know, yeah, I want to have a decent living. But more than that, I think I really want to provide my energy while I'm alive in order to do something that I think really matters. And children are at the core of that vision of mine. And... I always tell my students that design is just like the engineer of the arts because designers are artists. And I just wanted to, I, don't, I mean, I'm, I'm, I still design all the time, but more of a switch from design to art, it has been a transition for me to give my energy to corporate and allocate it into education, if that makes sense. So I think that's a pretty accurate or a pretty like robust description of the skill sets you have, you have a pretty strong design foundation. If you've ever met Natalia or if you ever run into her, you know, she's always like concepting, um, not just designing, but kind of like from start to execution, thinking about what would be interesting, what would be engaging, um, what would fit the project's needs, and then you design it and you do it. I kind of wanted to give you the opportunity to describe your own art practice because I feel like there's so many parts to it. Um, design is like at the core, but there's 
other things you do, we've kind of touched on a little bit at this point in the conversation. You're doing education, you're doing outreach. Um, a lot of your work is interactive. How would you describe your artistic practice? I, I need to make sure that I'm enjoying the project. If I'm not playing, um, it, it's just not worth it. I need to make sure that it brings me joy first and foremost, because if I am not enjoying what I'm doing, most likely people are not going to enjoy it either. So play, it's a huge core of what I do. I, like play guides my creativity and curiosity, play and curiosity. And then inevitably, because I work for myself, there is a business wing and I do have clients. I have people that look for my services as a consultant. So whatever it's gonna take you to learn like six months or a year, like for example, navigating grants, I assist and have these conversations with artists and other people interested in what makes a strong grant and how to do it. So I, I've become a grant writer because that's how I fund all the projects for design for us. So yeah, finding that balance as in like being able to sustain my life and provide for myself while also creating beauty that it's not just for me, but it's also meant to be shared. So I don't know if I am necessarily a social practitioner, but maybe I am. But I think that the bucket where I do see myself as is a public art facilitator. Doing art for myself is really important and it's uh, very therapeutic also. Um, but, But it means nothing to me if I can't expanded beyond myself so sharing and rooting every all the projects in empathy on what people need and how can I solve this problem or how can I make this experience a little bit easier um I would say it's another component of what I do are there any projects from the past um and specifically I'm talking about like the past five years I want to say um yeah and i've seen you um facilitate or carry out at least i mean a few of these projects and these programs um are there a couple you want to touch on uh well i think the most popular project was the first one that i did for design for us which was local and it was this bilingual coloring book where a group of immigrant students illustrated the drawing that was going to go next to whatever this guidebook provided like I don't know there's an educational section where it shows all these nonprofits that teach people English it teaches people how to write and read and the illustration that was partnered with that um, it was done by one of these immigrant students and I taught that was my first class that I taught it was a conceptual illustration class And I think that I learned a lot about myself through that project and being with the students also gave me perspective that sometimes I think I'm like, oh, things could be like this and maybe they're better. And it's just, it can be tricky because I I don't know what you need, you know, and 
instead of providing something so controlled, even though local was great and everything, I started realizing that these communities need just more freedom and sometimes giving less instructions to someone helps them to have a better artistic experience because creativity it's all about freedom so when I applied for CAP which is one of the programs that the office offers which by the way their application open they are about to open in April and I highly recommend any artist that lives in the city of Dallas to take a look at this because it's a really cool uh, program to be part of as an independent artist. So CAP stands for Community Artist Program. And that's when I started testing this idea on letting people color based on how the music makes them feel. And I curated these list of instrumental music they have no words I wanted words to be out I wanted to be something very abstract very emotional and cathartic where people just take like 10 20 seconds to breathe and listen to this music and then started imagining color and when I started providing this class through cap which was very simple I started noticing the cathartic that people would go through and how much at peace they would feel when the class was over so yellow it it's gonna bring back those that dynamic that I created through color and sound was the name of the class but now it's gonna take over 36 on a 36 feet space by 48 feet on the floor at the sanctuary of arts mission and it's going to provide a lot more space to people come and color however they want. So all my experience throughout the five years have have like helped me focus on what I want to provide. It's, it's an open, safe, creative space where people can just be. And I think that's much more healing and powerful than wanting to organize all of these systems that require a lot more people and teams of work than just me (laughs) because local is great but in order to really work I I would need a bigger team and in order to be really impactful so I also have to be realistic on what can I provide that it's going to be joyful you mentioned design for us which is your project it's your moniker under which you are executing um all of these public programs mm-hmm. and when did you start design for us uh i would say around 2018 even though it started to become more public 2019 i'm saying 2018 because that's when i really started learning about the grants that arts that the office offers through arts activate and I feel like that was really the birth of design for us, even though I didn't know. But yeah, it's been five years. For clarification for the listener to kind of illustrate this, when you're talking about local, which I'm glad you brought that up, it was a fascinating project. It was a thick book that was a coloring book that also had a ton of resources listed bilingually for new immigrants to the area to figure out... Um, you know, a lot of the stuff we take for granted, like 
ident- like how to get an ID or how to get uh, just to get your life set up living in Dallas. Um, and I think that project really encapsulates like your sort of the scope of your artistic practice. It's both like a useful object. It's something meant to be used kind of like literally um, maybe by like adults or the parents, but then like the children can also like the children at home perhaps can like color in it. It's an object that has like multiple layers to it. Yeah. Um, And I feel like your projects are always like that. But I just want to clarify for the listener when we're talking about design for us and we're talking about these activations uh, where you're doing arts education, arts outreach with the public here locally, those are all grant funded. Is that correct? Yes. And in-kind donations. So I've had people that volunteer their time and I'm always looking for help. Like (laughs) I've been trying to donate these art kits and we've donated over maybe about 50 or 80 I can't remember but I want to keep doing it and it's it's where I pick up recycled art material that artists don't use anymore and then we clean up all the material so it looks like it's new and we repackage it and donate them as free art kits to children in the communities in Dallas but it takes so much time to clean this material it's like we're the idea is to rehabilitate this artistic material to rehabilitate communities, emotionally speaking. So volunteers are always welcome. And yeah, Design for Us has been alive thanks to the people who has volunteered their time um, and to the grants from the city. So we're recording uh, at the top of February and you have a new project it's like an exhibition, but it's also interactive coming up. Um, it's called Yellow. And I think you described it a little bit earlier, but yeah, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to like describe what inspired it, what's going to happen, um, what separates it from like a standalone exhibition where you walk into a gallery and you, you know, um, carefully look around the room and pay attention and then you depart how is this a little different from a traditional exhibition well I feel like my work it's not really completed until it's touched by people so my coloring books they're not finished until you go and you do whatever you want with them and this would be my first installation I'm gonna cover the entire floor of the sanctuary of arts mission on yellow paper and people are going to be welcome to come and color throughout the entire through the entire piece which is 48 by 56 feet it's pretty big and just by it's going to change every day so it's going to be a living and breathing piece that is just going to keep transforming as people visit arts mission versus a gallery usually you go and you just go and look you don't touch and I think that my work has that component that it's you know it's a little bit different than 
traditional art and what's considered art. Because um, I don't do art by myself. I do it with the public. And yeah, Yellow, it's a poem to the Dallas community. Um, I love this city. It has taken care of me and it has allowed me to have a practice and explore my creativity. And I'm very grateful for that. So Yellow, it's a celebration to the city and the community. And it marks the five years of design for us, this first half decade in which um, I've been able to do all of these projects. And it's the start of the spring. It's it, Yellow opens the first week of spring and it's meant to be um, an exciting and safe space where people can come in and draw and color whatever they want. So I know that people are going to enter Arts Mission in Oak Cliff and they're going to be um, offered coloring implements like crayons and colored pencils and maybe markers. Is there Are there any other activations in, that, in this exhibition that people can interact with? Ah, yes. There's a surprise component, but... I feel like people are going to have to come to discover it. You just have to go in order to see it. you have to come and see it. You have to come and see what's up. Maybe you've touched on this a little bit, but I guess I wanted to ask you, since you've mentioned that your work's not complete until it's sort of been interacted with and touched, um, I just want to ask, what is a successful interactive project what does that look like for you when it's all said and done? Ah, successful interactive project. I think that a successful interactive project is when the project is well balanced with scope of work, budget, and timeline while still keeping a high quality production. Um, and, and, and I mean, all of that a huge aspect in order to reach that is is the concept of the project because that's the core of what this whole thing is going to be like it does it has an emotional connection are people coming and interacting with it are people interested so i think that um the success of a project is definitely ha- keeping that balance again from scope of work, timeline and budget, but also creating something that has a high quality production at the same time of having a high quality cultural value, which it centers in what the concept is. I feel like your projects incorporate or invite such a large amount of people and perhaps like a diverse range of people as well. Um, Out of everyone I know, I think that you have the most experience um, kind of running your art practice with grant funding, Mm -hmm. Um, which is, I don't know, it's just really interesting because I know a lot of artists, we both do obviously. Um, And I've, have seen many an artist friend 
get funding in some way or another, but I feel like you do it so consistently. You are kind of like a guru or something. I just, I wanted to ask, is there anything that you want artists to know about pursuing grants from the Dallas Office of Cultural Affairs? Yeah. um, Well, I guess this goes particularly to artists that live in the city of Dallas, whatever that medium is. And I think the grant world in, in general, uh, it's, it's a good resource to consider on how to fund your project. But if we're going to talk specifically about the city of Dallas, I think that it's very important for anybody to read the cultural plan so you can understand what the city is trying to accomplish through these grants. Because a lot of the time people hear, oh, I can get a grant. It's like free money. And it's like, well, there's an exchange. There's an exchange of energy. They're looking for someone who can come up with these ideas that are going to benefit the city for different reasons. But at the same time, you have to make sure that what they're looking for aligns with the mission and your vision of your practice. Because if not, you're not going to enjoy the project it's going to be a waste of time. It's going to be a waste of money. And the first thing is to read the cultural plan. Read it, understand what, they're, what problem they're trying to solve. And then think about what, who you want to be as an artist. What, what is your interest? Does this align? Or is there something in between that could overlap? That it's a win-win for both parties? But the city is just one type of grant. There's like tons of resources. So I think that taking some time and going through a database like like Cafe, they are a great resource. They share grants that are happening at a local level, national and international. So if your thing is, I don't know, sculptures that are experimental or that speak about Hispanic history, or I don't know, if your niche is very specific, then try to find the grant that best aligns with your practice because you don't want the grant to deviate what you're trying to do. So in order to understand if something works for you, you need to see what they're looking for first. And then... um, starting the grant with enough time because if you've never done it before there's a lot of in and outs that you have to take into account like the city pays but the city takes 30 business days to pay so you can't just rely your income in in the grant money and the grant not only has to pay for your time and your services but it needs to cover the project and Maybe 10000 8000 sounds very attractive to someone, but it's like, well, it's not that much money once you have to do all of this. Like, again, finding that balance of the timeline, the scope of work, and the budget. I think it's something very important that a lot of artists forget because they get so excited and passionate about like, I want to do this, I want to do that, and all of these cool, amazing ideas. But okay, let's be realistic. How are you going to make it happen? How long is it going to take you to do that? While you are doing it, who's going to pay for your rent, for your water, your electricity? So you do need to read the cultural plan, 
um, take your time in coming up with ideas that you think you would align with them and also with your practice and having open discussions and asking people, what do you think about this? Because you're only seeing it from your perspective, but you don't know how the public is going to receive it. And I just want to uh, expand upon what you just said. CAFE, which you mentioned, stands for a call for entries. Um, and it's a platform that which sounds kind of obvious. It's where a lot of calls for entries are listed. Um, it's a great resource. I just wanted to give the listener a couple keywords to Google um, so they're not just Googling CAFE and thinking like, what is, what is Natalia talking about? Um, so you went from corporate advertising to grant-funded public arts facilitation. Those are two pretty like distant, disparate worlds. Um, has working with grants changed your practice? I think I'm doing more of the things that I've always been interested. Like, I don't know drawing silly things just playing with color not like when i was working for corporate i had a very specific task and it's like come up with three to ten ideas on holiday for at&t and you know that they spend millions of dollars in these projects because like they know that advertising helps with sales. Um, so my day-to-day has really changed, personally speaking, and I get to do more of the things that I want to do, that I love to do, and where I see value, um, which is not consumption, the consumption culture. I just can't do that. And, you know, sometimes when you make less money, but you have more time, you can go slower. Because all the resources that you need in order to leave, most likely you have access to it. Like, El Salvador doesn't have the library. There's libraries here everywhere. And there's so many great resources that I didn't know until I started visiting them, like gardening tools and these incredible super intelligent librarians that help you to find the schools that provide the most scholarship and resources like Chicago has the biggest how do you call it when they give you a stipend Chicago has the biggest stipend in the US for any for arts in the, for MFAs so we're so worried about money, but money is just a resource. And when you think about the bigger word, that it's not money, it's resources, I just, I don't know. I feel like my life has become much more abundant in in the sense of like, oh, yeah, I can make time for that. I can go investigate. You know, I don't, I definitely don't make the amount that I used to make in corporate. They really take good care of you because they want you there. Um, but my life, and, and maybe your your question was a little bit different, but I think that doing the, this, this swap and changing on who I work for and who I work with has really um, changed the quality of my life. I'm a lot happier. I used, like the last year that I worked for corporate, I was getting sick once a month, which is quite often. 
Um, and yeah, I, I just, I love my life much more now, to be honest with you. And I think that maybe this resonates with other artists and it's like, I hear so many of them saying, man, I want to have more time to do my art. And art is such a great catalyst for mental health. So my mental health has improved also a lot. And I think that this switch has um, affected more that area of my life than the art that I like to do because I've always done illustrations. I've always done branding. It's, all, it's something that I've always been into. I still do it. I brand all my projects. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that answered your question. So Natalia, when and where can people attend and participate in Yellow this spring? Well, there's two ways that you can attend and participate. The first one is to come and experience this gigantic floor paper paper installation. So Yellow is going to be up and open to the public on Thursday, March 21st from 10 a.m. till 7 p.m. at Arts Mission until Sunday, March 24th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And on Sunday, we're going to have two DJs and we're going to have a mini brunch closing reception from 1 to 4 p.m. with no social and playing cumbia for all of us and natural high. She's going to be playing different decades like music from the 70s, the 80s, and she's going to end on the 90s. So it's going to be really fun. And we're looking for volunteers in the installation on Tuesday, March 19th from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., and volunteers to be at the gallery welcoming people. Also the days when the installation is going to be open. But if you just go to evanbright.com and you search for yellow, all the information is there. And you can also follow us on Design For Us on Instagram, D-S-G-N-F-O-R-U-S. And with that, we are going to wrap up for the day. Yay. Thank you for having me. Thank you for speaking with us today, Natalia. It's always great catching up with you. And if you are in the mood to get out and see some exhibitions, you can go to glasstire.com and check out our statewide events calendar. And if you're able to, go see some art. Go see some art. This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2024.